Hey guys, happy Wednesday and welcome to season two of the Drive Through Moms podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Nitcher. I've always had a huge heart for moms and their lifelong job of raising children, their struggles, joys, and experiences that are so often 100% different from my own. Each week we get to hear the story of an ordinary mom serving her family, community, and the Lord in amazing ways. Seeing the gifts and talents of others and watching how God has worked in their life inspires me daily. We are all in this motherhood game together, and I believe we can benefit immensely from listening and encouraging each other through what God has done in our own lives. What a privilege it is to share these amazing women with you. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Hey, friends. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Drive Through Moms. I'm your host, Lynn Nitcher. Today, we have the amazing friend um, of our family, Miss Ashley Gonzalez. So, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. I'm just that excited to get to catch up with you and um, hear your story about some things you've been through the last three years. Um, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Yes, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm excited um, and, yeah, excited to and honored to just be a part of this. Yeah. So I don't even know if you remember much about this, probably because you were little, but so we've known your family for a while. Um, I met your family back years ago when you guys were all little and we went to church together and then you moved. Um, and then we moved and we were in the process of building a house in McKinney. Um, and we're just driving the neighborhoods, trying to get the lay of the land uh, while we were waiting on our house to be built. And we were driving through a neighborhood and I saw your mom, um, out front of the house, bringing in groceries. And I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's Lori. And so we stopped and ran over and just chatted with her for a little bit. And then, um, she invited us to church with where you guys were going to church at the time. Um, and then, you know, fast forward years later, you, um, got to be friends with uh, my oldest and just, I don't know, it's really cool to see how God connects the dots and brings you through different stages of your life. Um, and brings people kind of back around full circle. But anyway, that's, I don't even know if you remember that, but, um, we've known your, your family for a while. So, um, tell me a little bit about you and kind of what's been going on, but just kind of start maybe before your family and where you are now. Cause like there's a gap in what I know, but, um, just tell me a little bit about you and maybe how you met your husband in college. Um, and then we'll talk about family stuff. Awesome. Good. So Jared and I met after I graduated college, actually. Um, I went to a small school a little bit south of Waco called Mary Hardin Baylor. And so um, I studied psychology and Spanish there and stuck around for a little while doing social work and met Jared well, actually, I don't remember the first time I met him. He doesn't like that, but <laughs> I think supposedly we met at a movie theater went with some mutual friends, but I don't remember that until several months later, we actually met on a boat at a friend's birthday party. So we sort of dated for a while and then broke up for about a year and then got back together and got married a few months later. So we've been married for uh, three and a half years now. Wow, I didn't know y'all had been married three and a half years, and then we'll get to the kiddos later. But, um, and then so you now you're a nurse, right? 
Yes. So I moved up actually while we were dating, I decided I wanted to be a nurse, which is actually why I went to school at Mary Harden Baylor in the first place. They have a great nursing program, but I just got really excited and wanted to study abroad. So I changed my major to Spanish to do that and then never went back. So I moved up to Fort Worth to go to nursing school. And so um, when I graduated, I got a job up here and um, signed a contract. So he had to head my way. And that's kind of how we ended up here in Fort Worth. So what? So, okay. So you're in Fort Worth. So what is your specialty or area that you have done most of your nursing career so far? So the entire time I've been a nurse, I've been working in ER. So I, I have worked in the adult ER for several years. And then this winter, I've been trying out pe- the pediatric ER. So I just started doing that to kind of see if um, I like want to do pediatrics. Um, so haven't quite decided. Really love my adult ER, but it's really good to kind of expand my knowledge to kiddos. Right. Right. I have a cousin who's an ER nurse and she's been an ER nurse forever. I think that's what she's done most of the time. I think she did a little bit of ICU, but she's also worked nights. And I know those shifts are super long, um, but she loves it. And the stories she tells are just crazy um, of just things that happen in the ER. But I imagine that COVID has changed just the nursing protocol in general. I mean, what what's that been like the last few months in the ER? So it's definitely been a lot more sick, sick people. I would say overall, uh, people don't come in for stuff that they probably shouldn't have ever come in for in the first place. And so we have maybe less uh, minor complaints, but I've seen a lot more sick um, come in where they're having to be intubated or staying in the hospital. Um, and so it's just sort of a different population that we're seeing right now. Um, and then, you know, I, with with all of the holidays and everything, things have definitely gotten worse lately. So it's been, been a lot uh, doing what I can to protect myself and our family, but always a little bit of anxiety about bringing something home. Sure. I imagine so, especially with, with littles. My, I have a niece that's in Lubbock that um, is a nurse and she's been working in a COVID unit there and just the the time it takes to be to do all those precautions before you go in and out of seeing patients, I can imagine just adds another layer to to your day and, and what you're having to, the steps you're having to take in order to protect you and somebody else. Um, so I know you have an interesting story from um, a transplant operation. I don't really know anything about it, to be honest, <laughs> other than, you know, social media. And, um, but I just wanted to kind of dive into a little bit about that because that, I just have to say um, that takes a huge heart of somebody. I don't know if you knew this person, if they were a stranger, but just to do that for somebody else um, to donate, you know, an organ um, on our end, Reggie has had uh, three transplants of his cornea. And I didn't even know that that was something that's very common um, in terms of, you know, what, what organs are donated that cornea is very common. But um, so I know on our end from a recipient side that that's been huge for our family. But anyway, I just kind of wanted you to jump in and maybe give us a little bit of your story about um, how that came about. Sure. Yeah. This is actually one of my very favorite stories to share. Um, So it actually started off with a lot of hardship. I am in college had a pretty dark, deep eating disorder. And um, 
struggled with it for many years silently, didn't tell anybody. It was just like a yo-yo diet of just gaining weight and overeating and then just not eating at all and just a lot of like self-hatred about my body image. And it sort of uh, got to a head after I um, moved up to Fort Worth. I was living by myself for a few months and just didn't really have anybody to just look out or, you know, to to hide that from. And so I just was like full in um, into that uh, sin and that addiction. And so I began um, praying that the Lord would show me a way out of that. And um, I think at that point, it was just, I was so into it that I needed to get better for somebody else instead of myself. And I knew that I was just so depressed that I wasn't able to just like pull myself out. And so I just started praying that the Lord would give me a reason to get better. And um, I, I remember in college having a conversation with some coworkers of mine um, that had talked about hearing of a transplant. And I remember saying, hey, I'm going to do that one day. And everybody was like, okay, Ashley, you know, and I remember calling my mom actually and telling her, hey, mom, one day I'm going to donate my kidney. And she was also like, okay, Ashley, if that's what you want to do and very sweet and everything. And um, so, yeah, so at some point um, in my prayer, I came up with that answer and the Lord just gave it to me and said, Hey, you know, you can get better for somebody else to make somebody else's life better so that my motivation wasn't for me. It was for somebody else. And so at that point, I sort of was able to share that struggle with some friends and some people that I was in Bible study with, and they started praying for me and I started looking for somebody that needed a kidney. I'm, you know, I didn't know anybody that needed a kidney And so the way I did that was uh, Facebook. And so I started just searching on Facebook and I realized that sometimes people make groups for people that need kidneys. And so I found Mariela and uh, she lives in Houston and she needed a kidney. Um, And so I reached out to her and said, hey, I am interested in potentially donating my kidney to you. Uh, which was crazy because I had never met her and I didn't know her. And um, so, you know, of course she was very interested and um, I went up on my nursing school spring break to Houston to get tested and to meet her. So anyways, ended up being a match for her, but not a perfect match. And you know, I believe that it would have worked, but it was presented to us the opportunity to have a kidney swap. So I was her person, but um, there were other people that I was a better match for. So I donated my kidney on behalf of her, but to somebody else that I had never met either. So you basically, okay, hang on. I know it's a lot. So you basically, yeah, hang on. Yeah, like I got to process this. So I love the heart behind it. I love the heart and the, as somebody that can identify with the eating food body image uh, thought process, I can totally identify with that. Um, To take this from, you know, I want to do something for somebody else. God, give me the desire and the opportunity to do something for somebody else and stop focusing, you know, on myself or my own 
issue, but you just found like, I'm just going to go to Facebook and found somebody on Facebook that you could donate. And then how did you get to kidney? So like, was there a specific reason why you like, Hey, I'm going to donate my kidney and not, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything <laughs> anatomical. So, so you, can explain also, the part of that. you can also donate your liver as um, a living donor. Um, there are some higher complications for the donor. Um, and since I didn't know, you know, and if I had known someone specifically that needed my liver, I think I would have been open to that. But since I didn't know, um, people are actually born with one kidney sometimes and never realize it. And from a medical standpoint, a lot of times when your kidneys fail, it's both kidneys that fail. It's not one kidney that fails. So um, there aren't really a whole lot of complications that come from donating your kidney. And so that's kind of where um, donating a kidney, because I mean, for the most part, my life is totally unchanged by it physically. And so, yeah, I was wondering what the, what the recovery or complications would be like um, from that. Um, so you didn't, you haven't really had anything no, that you've had to live with since then? No, I mean, I don't drink a whole lot of alcohol, which you shouldn't anyways. But um, so, you know, that was something they cautioned me on because uh, drinking a lot of alcohol can can aid in kidney failure. Um, and then when I had my baby, Selena, they told me to just make sure that I was followed along a little bit more closely. But I had a and I had no complications as far as that goes. And so, yeah, those were the really only two precautions. So then you, so you donated it in be, on behalf of somebody else, but it went to, there was a third person involved in this transaction. Yeah, so there were speak. actually six of us involved. So uh, there were three people that needed kidneys and then every, everyone that needed kidney had a person that was willing to donate on behalf of them. So, uh, I donated to somebody and their person donated to somebody else and their person donated to somebody else. And so the the surgeries actually all took place at the same time because if somebody changed their mind, then, you know, the whole thing would sort of fall apart. Sure. And so, yeah, there were six of us and I didn't know, I had met Mariela, but I didn't know anybody else um, at that time. But then we have since... Um, met multiple times and had some kidney reunions, but yeah. And, and a police officer named Danny in Houston is the one that actually received my kidney. Wow. So what's that relationship been like to know that, um, you know, somebody that you don't know had never met. Um, and then you were able to be a part of this medical procedure that affected so many people. Um, what's that relationship with them been like since? I mean, you, you've had reunions, but do you talk in between or, I mean, how did that, how did that play out emotionally for you or did it affect you that way? I mean, I love them like family. They actually all came up to our wedding. And so that was just such a, a sweet thing that they all, they all left Houston and drove all the way and stayed the night and everything to come up for our wedding. And, um, I mean, I would say that I'm closest to Danny and Mariella because they were the ones that I like directly, um, have that deep relationship with. And it's just sort of something that you can't really explain to other people. Like, yeah, you know, like Danny has like a, a, a literal part of my body and, um, you know, and just getting to know him and his wife and their family is just so sweet. And, um, I really, I can't explain it, but I just feel like I'll always feel connected to them. 
sure. No, I, I get that. And I, I know even like I mentioned with um, Reggie had his first cornea transplant. It's really the, I guess the only one out of the three that we were told anything about just kind of feeling connected with people. We, we never even met that um, a man had had a, a heart attack um, and his family wanted to make sure that he had things donated. And so, you know, Reggie was at a point where he couldn't see out of that eye at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's something that because he'd had shingles on his face originally, which uh, the virus attached to a nerve in his cheek and went up into his eye and destroyed his cornea. So because the virus can reactivate from time to time and the cornea will wear out, he's had multiple. So he always kind of lives with that fear of it happening again. But um, knowing that there were people that were um, donating and gave you your sight back was just, you know, huge and huge for him, especially he was always feared kind of as a breadwinner, like I got to be able to see, right. I have a job to do. Um, but anyway, so once you kind of got past all that, so you were done with that, you got married, you and Jared are living up here, you're a nurse. How did you guys, I wanted to kind of get into your, your family story a little bit. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how, how that all got started? Sure. Yeah. So Jared and I have been members of a church up here called Watermark. Um, I know there's a water, there's a watermark in Dallas, which is actually uh, watermark Fort Worth is a branch of that, but we, this past uh, spring, I believe became our own independent church. And so um, we're watermark Fort Worth. Uh, but before that we, um, were at church one Sunday and, um, uh, Todd Wagner, the pastor was talking about foster care. And, you know, I had mentioned that I used to, I used to do social work. So before I was a nurse, I worked in foster care and I kind of got a little burnout and stepped away from that. But the message was about fostering and, Hey, do you have an extra bedroom? Like you should take a child in. And I remember coming home from church that day and being like, wow, that was a great message. And that was that. But Jared walks in to our two-bedroom apartment and says, so Ashley, we have an extra bedroom. And I remember saying, yes, we do, but we're not doing that. (laughs) So that was kind of that for a while. And, um, And then the Lord stirred my heart multiple months later about it. And I come to Jared and I said, Hey, Jared, remember that extra bedroom? And he was said, Nope, I forgot about it. We don't have that anymore. And so we sort of went back and forth for a while until the Lord um, put both of that on our hearts at the same time. And we decided, you know, this is something that, that we want to do. And um, I hadn't tried, we hadn't tried to have a baby yet. And so this was something that we wanted to do first and decided that we wanted to foster a baby that was um, under two years. So we got prepared for that, um, ended up moving into a house, set up a nursery, and then we did lots and lots and lots of training and ended up on a list uh, to get phone calls for, for foster kiddos. And so we did that. And uh, we got one call for a sibling set of two that we said yes to, um, but ended up going somewhere else. And then four days before Christmas, about two years ago, we I was at work in the ER and I got a phone call for a sibling set of three. So you went from thinking, okay, Lord, I'm open to this 
but I have kind of a set idea of what I want or what I think I would be willing to try as a baby or somebody under two and thinking you're thinking you're going to get it one and the Lord brings you three. Yeah. It's crazy because I think that I didn't realize this pride that I had was, oh, we're just, we're going to be foster parents and we're going to rescue these babies and we're doing the Lord's work. And I, I don't think I realized that at the time. I, it wasn't my intention to have those, that mentality, but that had just kind of developed over um, all of this. And so when they called, I w- literally said, we are supposed to get what, like, we're supposed to foster one baby. Like, why are you calling us? And um, so it was just so unexpected. And we actually uh, were only licensed for two foster kiddos at that time. So we weren't even able to take in three. So we initially, we only uh, took in our younger two kiddos and Mia, our oldest, ended up in another foster home. And they said, okay, it's just for a few days or a few weeks. Um, and we'll find a family that is able to take in all three kids. And so we said, okay, let's do it. And 30 minutes after I came home from work, um, our sweet little uh, Daniel and Sophia arrived. And we just began the process of parenting all, all at once. So you went from nothing to two and then, so how long was it before you had three? It was about two months and we had met Mia and her sweet foster parents and had a play date with everybody. And then uh, they were going to, I guess they were going out of town. And so we had Mia over for... Uh, an overnight play date and Jared was actually gone too. So it was me and the three of them and it was just so good. And, you know, it was probably so good because they were all three together and (laughs) it was easy, but uh, because hard times definitely came. But in that, that night, it was so, so sweet that I said, Jared, let's bring her over. And um, so she moved in too. And then we went from zero to three. Wow. I just can't even imagine going from zero to three overnight. I mean, you had to have seen, obviously God had been working on your heart. Um, and sounds like from what you said at different times in the beginning, um, you know, starting with him and then with you and what are some things that you saw once you had the three of them and you had them under your roof. And like you said, being siblings and seeing the three of them together um, had to be so sweet and knowing that they had automatic friends, automatic siblings, they had someone, you know, to be around, but what were some things that you saw maybe God provide in the beginning? Because I know you go from a couple to a family of five overnight. um, There had to be some, some provision along the way that just really stood out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we, they came and we just in a week had everything that we needed. We had so many people drop off meals and clothing and I mean, everything that we needed, the Lord provided just immediately before we even had to ask. And, um, you know, I was actually thinking about it because it's uh, Christmas time now is last Christmas, the doctors at my emergency room decided to host us for Christmas and provided an astounding amount of gifts for the kids. And I was just blown away at the generosity that they had and 
just every time that there's ever been a need or every time that Jared and I were like, ah, this is too much for us. Like we can't do this. The Lord has just like come in in miraculous ways. And so we just, it, it felt so perfect and it felt like there was no way we could say no with how much we're seeing the Lord provide. Right. Was there a time when, um, you know, what do you think the hardest transition was for you guys? Maybe not from financially, but just um, in the beginning before you had, I guess you said Selena's your youngest, yeah. your baby. Okay. Um, what do you think the hardest thing was, was in the beginning with them? Uh, definitely the first two weeks. Uh, we didn't sleep a whole lot. Um it was just really hard uh, for the kids to transition. And I remember every night they would wake up and, and scream and multiple, multiple times throughout the night for a couple of weeks. And just the transition of, you know, learning these kids and learning. I, I mean, even with, with Selena, my baby, I don't feel like you just, I naturally was just like overwhelmingly like in love and so just like building that relationship and uh, learning to love them and learning to care for them when you don't even know them, you're, they're kind of, it was like, they're strangers at first. And so it was a really hard to, to transition with that as well as um, just having to become a really selfless person overnight um, and not, not have my perfectly cleaned home anymore and, and everything that I was accustomed to and just having to all of a sudden just give up everything um, for these kiddos, which was so worth it, but was so hard. Yeah. So I totally get that. There's, there's definitely, um, you know, something about uh, feeling like, okay, well, I'm becoming a mom. Therefore I should automatically have this, you know, you don't know them yet. You haven't developed your relationship yet because it's brand new and you not, like you said, overwhelmingly in love yet until you've experienced things together, you get to know their personalities. Um, but it does change. And I don't know, sounds like maybe from what you alluded to, um, I struggled with that, with having a, you know, a perfectly clean house. I remember when Manda was little, um, or when she and Lacey were both small, just the sheer number of toys, <laughs> right. Um, and especially with four, um, you know, there's always something out and there's always something on the floor and trying to come up with a way to not drive me crazy. Um, but, and yet learning how to, you're kind of sacrificing yourself. And like you said, your own desires or needs or, or whatever you think, um, about how you want things to be for somebody else. Um, and yet being able to navigate that, um, you were thrown in pretty quickly with three. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just impressed and grateful for those kids, for them that, and I'm sure they know and love you guys so much, but even what they don't know and don't understand yet, that they'll be so thankful for years to come that you guys did answer um, a call from the Lord on your heart to step in and be something for them that they didn't have. Um, sorry, I'm no. going to cry because I just am so touched. I'm so touched by it because I've, so cried, times. Um, I've cried what? so many times about it. Oh, that's just, I think, just part of being a mom in general. But um, so what is one of the favorite things? So if that was hard in the beginning, right? And and I think that's something that sleep is something that I think will elude you for a while. <laughs> 
Um, even with, you know, Reed, our youngest, is about to turn 21 in a week or so. Um, and you just, there's always this, even when they're grown and adults, you just still have this, um, this desire for them to be happy and safe and, and you know, um, have a desire to be close to the Lord. So there's always a little bit of mom worry in there. But, um, but what do you think so far in just your, how long have you, have you had them start to finish? It's been like two years, yeah. you said? Two years and about two weeks. So it's crazy. Okay. So you've had kids for about two years, but you have got four. So what do you think has been your favorite moment so far? Man, you know, there, I feel like there's several, there's some, one from a long time ago uh, was when we had Mia. She called us Jared and Ashley for a while, uh, which is what, you know, we told her she could call us whatever she wanted. Um, and Sophia and Daniel had called us mommy and daddy for, from, you know, but they were really small. And so it, they didn't really even, I don't think could even say Jared and Ashley if they wanted. And so when, when Mia came, she called us Jared and Ashley. And after, uh, probably about a month, I remember her, um, coming up to me one day and saying, Hey, I, I think I want to call you mommy. And, uh, oh, now I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> like having her kind of make that transition and decide like, Hey, I recognize you as the person that's caring for me and that you love me. And I, I want to call you mommy. And, um, just from that moment on, just feeling like I am your mommy, you know, and just, um, now like I'm forever her mommy and just, Oh man, that was just one of the sweetest moments that I've ever had with her. Well, and I can imagine it's, um, you know, for her, like you said, that was a heart and a head decision. It wasn't a, oh, they said mom for the first time, like they could physically put right. the word together. This was a, this was a heart recognition of, um, you know, where maybe the little ones didn't quite get it at the beginning because it's just, they were younger and it, what it, what it, it was, what it was, but that she was older and, and knew a little bit more and, but really recognized and came to know that you guys were truly, um, mom and dad that had to be oh, so yes, sweet. So, so sweet. So you mentioned, I forgot to say this a minute ago, but you mentioned watermark. So Lacey works oh, at watermark. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, she works at the uh, Dallas or the Plano campus, um, and they, uh, my niece goes to the Plano campus as well, and they've adopted, in fact, one of, I had an episode with her a few weeks back that was on adoption, um, they adopted, and they kind of went through similar um, classes, maybe, I don't know if that's what you and Jared did through Watermark Fort Worth, but um they went through a class um, when they were first starting to to consider doing adoption, not necessarily the foster care. But I know she's talked about the foster care um, class for people that are interested in in getting um, more information on that. But so it sounds like your your faith community has been a big part of walking alongside of you in this whole experience. Um, but what's something else? Is there anything else that has been a big um Maybe something that you've learned or read or people that you've, that God's placed around you. I mean, has that been, because I know sometimes that's not super easy. When we first were in uh, Cedar Hill, where we, you know, where we met your family um, going to church, we hadn't been there long and, and you kind of, I mean, you didn't have 
very many friends in the beginning, but um, the more you got to make other friends, those relationships became so important. Um, But what's something that you could speak to that you felt like God provided through either your church community or other people that you met maybe in the foster care community um, that would be helpful for somebody else that might be considering walking down that same road? Yeah. So I would probably go back and say that that scripture is something that has really inspired me and us to, to just like seek the things that the Lord wants. And, um, like, like James, so James one twenty seven it says religion that our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so even that right there, um, everybody is, is called to that verse. And so it doesn't look the same for everybody. Um, but you know, what's something that I've told people is like, Oh, I can't foster. And I'm like, you don't have to foster. Like what other ways can you, um, support a foster family or support a child that needs a family. And that is, can be through respite or through helping a foster family or, um, through providing, a toy for a child that doesn't have a Christmas. And so just kind of taking it back to scripture, I think about that. And then I think about the Israelites in um, the wilderness and specifically in Deuteronomy where, um, you know, uh, Moses is talking about how, I'm sorry, I don't think it's Moses, but you're talking about how, hey, look, these are the things that God did for the Israelites and um, he has fed them and he, he helped pass the seas. And then it says, um, I think it's, it's Deuteronomy 8.10. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. And so just looking back into everything that the Lord has done in my life, how he walked me through that season of depression and an eating disorder, and he revived me. And um, then he walked us through this, these, um, this foster care journey. And then he um, revived our family and made it so good. And how at the end of the day, like I cannot forget that the Lord, all the things that he has done for us. And I think that if you, don't know how the Lord or what the Lord wants that you should read the scripture and that he will move um, in your heart and in your family and um, based on the words that he has provided in the Bible for you. Right. I love that so much. And I love, um, cause sometimes it is hard. To, we forget the things that he has done because of maybe a current situation or something that's popped up, but being able to stop, um, I've been doing a, a study on the armor of God and she talks, it's a Priscilla Shire. She talks a lot about, um, you know, being able to step out in faith in something that God is calling you to means you have to look at your thankfulness and your gratitude in the things that he's already done and look back at what he's done and provided. And, uh, whether that's, you know, physical, um, people, spiritual, emotional, but the things that he has walked you through in the past helps you remember that he has been faithful in the past. So he's going to, you know, be faithful in the future. Um, But that comes from being thankful and looking back at what he has done um, in the past. But I think sometimes in our fast paced culture, um, 
we just want to move to the next thing and we just, you know, what's in front of us instead of really maybe taking a moment to, to look back at oh, where absolutely. he's been. And and that's something uh, that I, I'm always like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? But just kind of like resting in scripture. And, and one quick thing, I, uh, we've been working on Bible verses with the kiddos and um, Watermark is really good at helping them memorize. And so we've been kind of taking after them. And so the other day we were at the doctor with Daniel and he had to get a shot and he was scared and he was worried. And so I said, Daniel, remember Joshua 1, 9? And in there in the doctor's office, he quoted it. And I was just so like, overwhelmed with the joy that he already at three years old knows this scripture. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord has allowed us to be somebody in his life that shows him the heart of God, you know? Oh, absolutely. Cause that's such a huge part of being a believing parent is, um, teaching them not only about that he loves them, but teaching them the character of God and the things that he said and the promises that he's made so that we can teach our children. Because I think that's one thing that I've really been important to me is that I can't be expected to teach my children things that I don't know. And if if I'm not, um, you know, adding scripture to my brain and reading and absorbing and, you know, keeping my relationship with the Lord as tight and close and intimate as it can be. I can't, number one, I can't teach and foster that in my children. And number two, um, I can't be there for them when they go through things. The older the kids get, um, you, you see them walk through things and I can know those things for myself and that's great. But if I can't and I haven't taught them, shown them, they haven't seen that in me, um, you know, I'm missing a huge opportunity. So I love that your um and that watermark sounds like they their children's. I don't know much about their children's program, um, but I know that the people I know that go there love it. Um, but that you're fostering that love of scripture um and teaching that to them, like Deuteronomy talks about, you know, along the road when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, that you're constantly talking about the Lord, his character, what he does, what he means to us, what he's done for us in Christ and being able to pour that into your kids. So I'm so grateful. I'm so excited to get to watch you and your babies grow. She is eight and a half months. Oh, I bet she's just a darling. Thank you. It's a really sweet stage and it's really sweet to see the, the older kids taking care of her and loving on her. Yeah. So how, tell me how old they are. So Selena is, yeah, eight and a half months. And then Daniel's three, Sophia is four, and Mia just turned six. Yeah. Wow. What a sweet family God has blessed you with. And it sounds like you have um, a sweet husband that y'all have a relationship that is honoring to the Lord and open to his call on you, whatever that is. And so I'm just so excited for you. And it was so sweet to get to catch up with you for a little bit. So thank you so much um, for being on the podcast and just kind of catching me up with where you are, but sharing your heart um, for doing something for somebody else, for donating um, an organ for somebody else and opening your heart to be obedient to something God's called you to, um, in foster care and in adoption. Um, I just, 
I'm so blessed by getting to to hear your story. Well, thank today, you. Ashley. Thank you for having us. I Me, mean, I really can't see, wait to see what the Lord does next in our life, but hopefully we can kind of calm it down for a little bit before. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little bit yeah. of time to get to watch them grow. Yeah, I love it. Well, if somebody kind of resonated with your story or um, wanted to hear a little bit more, maybe if they had were interested in foster care or adoption or something, um, what would be a good place? Or are you okay with me sharing in the show notes, like your Instagram or Facebook page, or I don't know if yep. you have a blog or anything. Um, definitely my um, Instagram. Um, and then I think through that Instagram, you could, someone could email me if they had specific questions. I do have a blog. I'm not the excellent at keeping up to date. I was before we had four kids, but <laughs> it is there. And a lot of our, our kind of backstory <laughs> is up there too. If anyone wants to know kind of more about where we started. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll make sure and include that in the show notes. Thank you, Ashley, so much for giving me time today. And I can't wait to just watch and see. Yes, um, ma'am. Thank you. Family. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Happy Wednesday. Hey, y'all. I can't thank you enough for listening and want you to know that you have all been prayed for, for real. If you liked what you heard or it touched your heart in any way, I would so love for you to leave a great review on iTunes. But more than that, just share this with other moms that you know that might get something out of it. You can find more information about each of the episodes in the show notes, as well as our links to Instagram and the website at drivethroughmoms.org. Thank you for listening. And until next time, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.